Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. How do you guys deal with need around you? Have you noticed there's a lot of need? Especially with media, like you can't hide from it like you used to be able to. It's just like everywhere, you know? You watch documentaries on need, you walk on the streets, you see need. If you just open your eyes, it's hard to avoid how much need there is. And so as we talk about this whole thing of the gospel with the poor, what I realize is we're just not short on need. But many times the need is so great, do you guys ever sometimes get a little overwhelmed with it, right? I mean, I've I've had a life of learning how to, you know, over time. When I was younger, I just pretended there wasn't need except for me. That, that was my, I was just in denial that people had problems and there was a poor and there was a vulnerable and there were marginalized. I just didn't pay attention and didn't want to see them. But then as you get older, you begin understanding that doesn't work for well. And I became a Christian. I thought, okay, I'm supposed to love everybody like, I, like myself. And so that started causing me to have to think about this. But even then, I can think about many stages I've gone through because the need is so great, it's overwhelming sometimes. And you have to figure out what to do with that. I've had times where what I did with it was uh, be happy. Just be happy. That, that lasts a short period of time, and then people get really upset with you because <laughs> you're happy all the time. Uh, I didn't stay in that phase very much. Most of my stage has been cynicism, you know? I remember as a Christian, I used to say, life is harder than you die. I don't think that's in the Bible, but, but I, that was how I kind of thought of it. Like, it's just hard. It's just, there's all this pain. Uh, you know, there's sometimes... Uh, we deal, with, we deal with it by buffering ourselves from need. You guys ever buffer yourself from need, right? You just kind of, kind of stay away from it. Don't get too close to it because you got enough going on. Sometimes you buffer yourself by, uh, you know, creating narratives where you don't, the, the people who are hurting, they've caused that to themselves in some way. And you don't want to say that, but you're creating narratives. You make judgments to people who are needing the most but you're trying to figure out a way to buffer yourself from that. You begin thinking about, you know, this, why this happened and putting yourself at this kind of upper level. Pretty easy to do. Sometimes we just kind of feel when they're in this tension, we just kind of feel guilty all the time. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand because you feel guilty, but if, in your heart, could you raise your hand? Like, I feel guilty all the time. Like, I wish I, I know I need to be doing a lot more, but I just don't have the capacity. So you just kind of walk around with kind of condemnation of how you could do. For me, my go-to is I just get overwhelmed. <laughs> I, uh, and I just feel like the issues are so big. I'm practical, right? What can I do to really make any kind of impact? That starts overwhelming me. And uh, I, I get in, I call it my, uh, I start living in my responsible sadness. I'm <laughs> just sad and very responsible. And doing nothing. <laughs> but we, we do this because... The need is so great. I mean, and, I mean and, and if you don't believe that, you're just still in the denial section. The need is so great. I mean, if we just took a tour around St. Louis, right, and we recognize that 10% to 12% of all St. Louisans are living below the poverty level, and that 10% of them are experiencing food shortages, that in Missouri, as we just kind of tour the state, that, you know, we have you know, six to 7,000 people who are experiencing homelessness every day, 
We have tens of thousands of refugees coming from all completely different cultures and feeling tremendously alone and, and working through trauma. You know, we have, I mean, just to think about it, the news, it's like, there's like 26 million people who are displaced from their country right now. <laughs> and millions are just in great danger with no home. It's the highest in history. In uh, Missouri last year, 68,000 incidents of neglect were reported. 68,000. In the country, four million are. It's ten minutes. It's one every ten seconds. Are you overwhelmed yet? Oh, this is what I'm talking about. Like, oh my gosh, what do I do with all this? I saw a study that in prisons they've done a study that the average visitation, live visitation of a prisoner during their incarceration, regardless of how long it is, is two times. <laughs> 40% of elderly say they, they battle extreme loneliness. Now, I know as I'm saying this, some of you are thinking, I was in a good mood just a second ago, and now you're really depressing me, Dave. And I, I understand that's where I get to sometimes. But what we have to understand is this is what Jesus was facing all around him, too. This is what the disciples are facing. This is what's been through all of history. There's been tremendous injustice and the people who are fighting this because it's a broken world. I mean, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders had theological understandings of why someone got crippled because they were sinning and all kinds of things. They were under the Roman government who, you know, who, who tortured people for entertainment. I mean, it's, it's not like, okay, you know, we're just, it, it's just part of the brokenness of our world, right, that we're living in. And as believers, we're supposed to be the people who are loving those people, the people with the greatest need. And so, you know, as we look at this verse of Micah 6.8 that we keep going back to, I mentioned last week, you know, it's, it's really a verse that just says, I know the normal direction you're going to want to go by your flesh and your natural direction, but I want you to go to a different direction. Because it's really natural not to be humble. Have you noticed that? Pride comes, I don't know about you guys, but pride comes extremely easy to me. I have not had to work at that at all. I have not had to learn it. I just raise myself up at every moment that I get insecure. You guys know what I mean? It just comes, right? So this place of, you know, not being humble, raising ourselves above others, being better than others, having a heart filled with jud judgment, not mercy, not walking in humility, but walking into, it was our God, but walking in uh, independent, separate with self-righteousness, that all just comes normally, right? It's our slant. And God's saying, that's not, you're not made to live that way. You're made to live differently. You're made to live like Micah 6, 8 talks about. And because when we do that, when we're at those places of not being humble, not in raising ourselves up, we lose access to God. We do. And when we, when we humble ourselves and when we move from judgment to mercy, we gain access to God. That's just the way it works. So God wants us to experience fulfillment in that, in that way. You know, and, you know so I, I've had lots of uh, teaching that I've done that's been like, I'm pretty, I'm speaking from a lot of, like I, 
I say, hey guys, I know this is true. I, I, I'm living this. This is not one of those teachings. This series is not one of those series. This, this series is, is busting me. <laughs> this, series, this series is getting to places in my heart that I don't, I don't know what to do with, right? And we kind of knew that as we went into it, that we were going to be the ones that were going to get the most stirred up about things. And so, you know, I, when you look at these stats I gave, for instance, how do we not just deny to, to, to keep away from the pain? How do we, how do we not just survive or buff it, uh, buffet ourselves from uh, these things, buff ourselves from these things that are, are so painful or, how do we not just live in this place of feeling bad and condemned and overwhelmed or shutting down like I often do sometimes? You know, I don't know exactly. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about that, but God's been talking to me personally, saying, just keep your eyes open, David. Because <laughs> don't you want to shut your eyes sometimes to certain things? I just can't keep my eyes open because it's too painful. And I've been asking God, you know, help me keep my eyes open. Help me see others as I see myself. And then help me figure out what to do with that. That's in my prayer. And I'm hoping that's your prayer too. Because and, and, I think that's what God wants to help us with. Well, we can understand pretty clearly when we start getting into understanding and looking, having our eyes open to the need of those who are poor and vulnerable, those who are marginalized, we can say pretty simply, help, right? We need help. That's what we're going to talk about. Today we're entitling our teaching, The Helper, Speaking of the Holy Spirit. When I was the first a Christian, I remember I, I had this uh, big old monster Bible. That was, that was spiritual back then. Now it's like, I got an iPhone 13. Look how big my screen is. But back then it was a Bible, right? And so in this Bible, I had yellow markers. I had a whole coding system. Who had coding? Who old, old people had coding systems? Like, okay, you, yeah, we're getting younger. That's good. Uh, so my coding system was, if God says something about loving people, the way I'm supposed to love people, I'm just going to highlight it in yellow. There's a lot in the Bible that was in yellow. And I was like, and every time I thought, oh no, it's gotten worse. Another one. It's another one. Oh my gosh, pretty soon my whole Bible's about yellow. I'm thinking, well, this is pretty hard. And I'd go out, great guns, and then fail tremendously in trying to love the people the way God said to. And I remember one time in this prayer time, I was praying to God, and I said, Oh, gosh, I was just at the end of my rope. I said, this is, I'm telling you, God, this is impossible. Waiting for him to give me a pep talk. And he said, yes, it is. You finally understand that. You cannot do this without me. You just need to know how to do this with me. That was a huge moment. I knew all the scriptures that God, Jesus talked about, Holy Spirit coming and being our helper, but Sometimes we have this idea of he helps us because we're messed up and he needs to get us going and kind of wind us up and let us go, right? But when Jesus was talking about being a helper, he's saying, you, know what, you need to know what I know and how I operate, and it's going to work for you because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's actually going to help you, not just once in a while, but actually all the time, 24-7. He loves doing it and you're made for that. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will guide you forever, it says in Psalms. He will counsel you. His eye will be upon you. He will work in you and through you. 
Spiritual maturity, which we've said many times in our church, it's not needing God less and less as you mature. Maturity is actually needing God more and more. A flourishing life is dependency, growing dependency on God. Maturity and flourishing in life and spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness, is a greater awareness of your weakness and a more confidence in God's grace and His Spirit. You know, we, it's understanding that in my weakness, there's where the power is. That's when God comes in. It's understanding I can do all things through, not myself, but through God who strengthens me. So last week I talked about this whole thing about when we try to love the, the poor and the marginalized, it's really important that we don't take it on as an assignment that we go out and do on our own. I've done that many times. It doesn't end well. <laughs> it's something that we must do humbly walking with God. He, we must do it with God, and we must do it with His Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be talking about two stories that will help us grasp what we're talking about when we talk about this, the help of the Holy Spirit. And they're about Jesus loving a poor man, and they're about, it's about Peter and John loving a poor man. So we're going to go through the stories, kind of get the story, put ourselves into these stories, and we're just going to get, take some truths out of them that I think will be helpful in this place of us learning to depend on the Holy Spirit as our helper and how much we need that. So if you have an iPhone 13 or a big Bible, you can turn to John 5. Now, this is interesting. It was a story that most of us are familiar with where Jesus goes in and uh, to this place where many people who were poor and crippled were laying around in a desperate place. There was a pool. There was a rumor was that an angel would stir and you would get in there first and you could be healed. And so they were desperate waiting for that to take place. So there's lots of poor around. And Jesus is led to that place. And I'm sure as he looked over, he had compassion on all that was happening, all the people who were there. But what he did is he went to one man who was crippled and prayed for him and he was healed. He got in a lot of trouble because he did on the Sabbath. And this is Jesus talking because the, the uh, religious leaders are pretty upset with him, you know, because he did this on the Sabbath. He was working on the Sabbath. Okay. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, listen to this, my father is always at his work to, do, to, to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Verse 19. Jesus gives this defense. They ask him, like, why did you do this? He says, Jesus gave this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, he can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. 
Let's look at Acts 3, 1 through 8. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried into the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them, and Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles were, became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. There is so much good stuff in these two stories. Now, these are dramatic, right? But the principles of how that you choose to love the people God is calling you to love, how do you see the way God wants you to see are so well laid out in this? Because Jesus is explaining it because he's being asked, now how did you do this and why did you do this? So as we look through this, notice what Jesus says in his defense. He's basically saying, why did you do this? Well, my father's always working. In other words, he's always working. This is, this is, and so I work too. This is a whole different way sometimes in how we look at how things are. Many times we feel like nothing's going on and we have to go and make it up or initiate it or cause it to happen. But the way Jesus looks at it is he understands that God is always working, and I would say especially among those of the greatest need and those who are marginalized. He has a special place. So, so I remember I was talking to a guy from CAC that was running CAC, and I remember sitting in his office, and he was telling about CAC is a place that uh, tutors kids in East St. Louis, and he created this, uh, this, this group, that, uh, this uh, place that, that tutored kids, and so I, I thought... I said, now, why'd you move here from California? And he said, well, and he, I just remember this. He goes, I'd always believed, at least theologically, even at a pretty good level, that wherever the most needy were, God was always there. And I just had to see if it was true. And it is. Because God is already working. And you don't have to do the work. He does the work. And now here's interesting. Jesus, the Son of God, who's modeling to us, this is how you live out the Christian life. This is how you are to operate. He's showing us here. And Jesus says the Son, the Son of God, can do nothing by himself. In other words, Jesus couldn't do this without his yielding and empowerment and connection to the Father. And so what we see, he saw what the Father was doing, he, uh, he understood it right off, 
that God was working, and now he's saying, where is he working? And he didn't go to everybody there among the people who were poor. He went to one man because that's where God led him to. That was his part at that time. And he did his part, and God did his part, and it all came together, and the man was healed. And he didn't just experiencing a lot of cash, which has been great, health physically, which is very much a part of what we do and care for the poor, but he experienced even way more than that. He experienced the love of God and the power of the gospel through that action. He understood, wait a minute, though my whole world changed. I love in this verse, uh, in, in Peter's verse, when, when Peter's talking about it, that he, this guy who has been there for a long time is now just hanging on to them, right? It's like they're on even, even ground now. He's like he's talking out loud. He's not ashamed of anything, you know, in this place of understanding that this is what the Father's doing. And as we look at, and we look at Acts 3, I love this because you have to understand this guy had been there a long time. He was crippled since birth. He's Jewish, and he would, that's how they received enough money to get by. They would have someone carry them in. So this is the guy that they walked by all the time. I mean, all the time. It's interesting. You can't find this guy's name. It's the guy, right? Because I don't, think, I don't, know, if they, I don't know if they ever asked him his name. <laughs> He's just the guy that sat there and begged for money, Right? Now, what we, what we have here is we have Peter. Let's put this in context. In the very recent past, Peter has denied Jesus three times after promising him that he would never do that. And then Peter experienced Jesus' mercy as he was restored in his broken, most broken state. And then... Peter at Pentecost and among all the believers, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resided in them. And they were filled. They had the Helper now with them. They had the Holy Spirit with them. And they'd watch Jesus and recognize, huh, this is like he's telling me to live like he did. And so as they're going through this, this man who they have seen probably more times than they, they want to admit, sitting there, all of a sudden, I love it because he says, Gee, when this man tried to ask for money, Peter looked straight at him. He didn't deflect his eyes and say, well, I don't have any change, sorry. I mean, he, you know, I don't think he's lying either. You know, uh, not that any of us have ever lied to a homeless person that we don't have money, right? I'm sure no one has done that, right? No. Okay. But I think he probably didn't have any silver and gold. And says, what do I have? Oh, I have a lot. And what he did then is, he's a silver gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. What did he give to him? He gave him God's mercy, God's power. He gave him the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit worked, and he was healed. And then he just went around jumping and praising God, hanging on to disciples like best buds. I mean, it just, the field just got leveled because the kingdom came. And so when we think about like, how do I do this, right? 
how do I, how do I, how do I love the people who are poor and marginalized? The need is so great. It's so complicated. There's so much. There's, it, where do I start, right? There's a million needs out there. Where do I go? You need help. <laughs> there's, there's no ABC. This is, you need to have the Holy Spirit helping you figure that out. And it will look very different in different times. And you don't have to do the whole thing. You do your part. Own your part. Do you know Jesus' God, Jesus's God was never in need? Have you noticed that? He'd walk away from people in need all the time because that wasn't what God was asking him to do. Right? As Christians, we often get to this place of extreme guilt because we just see need and we see our inability to meet it all. You can't meet it all, but you can have God help you show you what your part in what he's already doing. So, a few things I'd say out of this. What do we need? We need help. We need help to see our hearts and change our hearts. I mean, what I've been really, God's been talking to me graciously, but very firmly about how much pride is my protector. How much my judgment is what insulates me from feeling and having compassion. This place of how quickly I, in my heart, I can put myself above other people's. And I do it, I'm a pastor, man, I do it really sophisticated. It's hard to catch on, but I can see it, right? And I just understand that we have to have God, for that to change, we have to have God show us our heart. Because when he shows us our heart, it never condemns us. It always helps us. It always takes weight off of us. I think Peter, through his little episodes of denying Jesus three times, saw his heart in a whole different way. And I think that came to play in how he was able to see this man. The second thing I'd say is that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to see others as God does. See, I see through, I, I'm just naturally see through the lens of, of judgment and condemnation. I just, my flesh does that. But when I have the Holy Spirit, I begin seeing through the lens of mercy. I begin seeing the mercy of, through the lens of grace. But to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. I mean, the reason that Peter and John, it was so different is they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden this man that they saw over and over again and probably gave him some coins and tried to be nice, all of a sudden they saw him in a whole different way than they did before because they have different eyes to see because both they had, Peter had received mercy and he's also received the Holy Spirit. We need to be helped by the Holy Spirit to come in and see the way Jesus sees. You know, if we have that, we can open our eyes. You know, we can open our eyes to all the need and still have compassion, but then say, now, what are you asking me to do? And recognize he's working all through this, but he has a particular part he's going to let me participate with what he's already doing.
And I get to be a part of that. And he does that with me. You know, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to know our part in what he's doing. This is, I mean, you guys ever are like, what do I do? I mean, there's a million things I could do. I guess I should do this or do that. You won't figure that out on your own. Because, you know, you can, and God's going to bless you if you're just loving anyway. I'm not saying that he won't bless any effort you try and learn as you do it. Don't, don't wait around in a closet not doing anything. Learn as you do it. But what you want to learn is like, particularly what is my part here? And God, I want to do that in your name. Because I want them to receive more than cash or help in the situation. I want them to receive physical help, but I want more than that. I want them to receive the gospel, the good news. I want them to receive the love and the mercy of God. I want them to be seen by you. I want them to understand that they aren't second or least or below. They are highly valued and seen by you. But we need to ask God, how do I do that? Like, what does that look like? And I always think to myself, what do I say, Jesus? What do I do, Jesus? What can I give, Jesus? Those are good three questions. And just make your best guess. Learn to begin letting God show you what your part is. And the last is that we need the Holy Spirit's power to help us do more than is humanly possible. Isn't that right? I mean, it is good to help someone who needs a car and give them a car. It is good to help teach a refugee English and to help them get established with a job and help them to financially and all the things that are really good financially by your actions, all those things are needed and very much as part of Scripture to be generous in all we have. But we, we can give them more. We can give that in not our name. We can actually do it in Jesus' name. And when we do it in Jesus' name, something completely different happens than just a need being met. The gospel is understood. The good news is understood. Jesus' mercy comes, right? And, you know, I... Uh, and this weird thing happens, too, is as you participate in your particular part, as small or big as it is, what you, guess what you find when you do it? You don't find exhaustion. You find more mercy. Have you done that? All of a sudden, mercy gropes in you. It doesn't shrink because you're seeing it. And when you see it for them, you start seeing it for you in a different way. So, I'm going to close the story. Uh, likely I've told it sometime. But when we had the church plant early on, I got a phone call on our answer machine. We had it in my basement. There was no church. We had a school. So we wanted to look big. So we had, this is the Vineyard Community Church. Press one for David. <laughs> one for so-and-so. One for, no, it, just, it, it, just, it was, no one ever called it, ever. So I'm downstairs, and uh, the phone rings. Oh, this is my chance. Like, it never rings. Usually, and if it is rings, it's like, hey, we're this program, and we want you to come. No, no. So it rings, and I pick it up. I'm going to call this gal Sh Sheila, and Sheila is on the other line. 
and she's calling from Clayton County Jail, and she's weeping, and wants me to come see her. And I can't even get out what's all going on, so I said, sure, can I? And so I looked up this nurse, and I went directly up to Clayton County Jail. So she's in the orange jumpsuit on thick glass, the microphone, the whole deal. Only got in there because I'm a pastor. And uh, she tells me her story. And she had a gambling addiction. She embezzled some money because she lost gambling <laughs> from the company that she was accountants for. She was pregnant. She knew she was going to lose her baby if she got arrested and sent to jail. So she waited for her vacation and took off. And she'd been on the road for nine months without a home. And uh, she got a traffic stop. And in St. Louis, and they ran her tags, and they took the baby to Child Protective Services and put her in Clayton County Jail. And so I just listened, and I remember praying for her, and just her weeping on the other side and feeling God's presence in that cubicle. I mean, at levels that I've, I mean, so powerful, but horribly hard. And here's the part that got me the most. I said, what do I call her? Sheila. <laughs> I said to Sheila, uh, after she kind of calmed down, I said, uh, why in the world did you call me? <laughs> you only had a phone call, a couple or none, and you're, I don't know how that really works. I think you only had one, and she, she called me. <laughs> and she said, when I was in California, I used to hang out at this one place, and I would lie to people to get money all the time. I, had a, I was really good. She was super sharp, really intelligent gal, and she could lie good. And she said, there was this one couple that always come talk to me. And they never gave me any money. But they were always so kind to me. And every time they said, could you come to church with us tonight? Come on, come to church with us tonight. I would never go. And they went to this place called a vineyard. And I thought, maybe there's a vineyard church like that. So I just looked up vineyard in the phone book. She ended up going to, to prison, and I'm still, I still know her and connecting to her. She's a great gal. And she, but she, in prison, a Presbyterian parole officer that she was working with got permission to take her into her home after she got out of prison, a Christian woman, and helped her get stabilized and get a job. And I thought to myself, you don't see the, how it plays out very often. This is a few times. Usually you do one thing and you have no idea. The person, that couple, has no idea what that one thing that they did because it was part of what Jesus was doing. And they listened to the Holy Spirit and they said, do you want to come to church? And just kept being kind to her. They have no idea what happened. And I was able to watch the whole process because of what that person did in California. It doesn't have to be big. It's just the things that God wants you to participate in. 
And we can, as believers, we can bring them a lot more than cash, even though that's important too, and meeting their needs. We want to do this in the name of Jesus. So, here's the invitation. The worship team can come on up. Ask the Holy Spirit how to help you see people as he does. Just a simple prayer. Just get these prayers down. Like, you're going around and you're like, just don't have me see people the way you do. Let me see them. I want to see them not like I used to when I walked by the, in the t- temple gate. I want to see this guy differently. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see where God is working and what your part is in what he's doing. What do I say? What do I do? What do I give? And then ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Whatever, uh, whatever you do so Jesus can reveal personally to the person, is revealed personally to the person. In other words, when you're doing it, it's interesting when the, the disciples got in trouble for this, they all started looking to Peter and John and saying, how did you do that? And they said, this has nothing to do with me. And they point them towards Jesus. This is who did it, because we did it in Jesus' name. Do what you do in Jesus' name and ask the Holy Spirit to come in ways that no human can come.